And welcome to another episode of Reggae Uprising podcast, which is all about connecting people of the diaspora through wisdom, inspiration, overstanding, and all backed by a beautiful soundtrack of sweet reggae music. Now, thank you so much for everyone's support with the podcast, you know, with sharing the podcast and all of your beautiful comments and also suggesting guests for upcoming shows. I really, really do appreciate all of your support. If you or someone you know would like to feature on an upcoming show, um, please get in touch via any of my social media. So that's Facebook, Daniil Music, Instagram, Daniil Music, or Twitter, Daniil Music, where you can also check out my weekly videos, Reggae Uprising every Monday and High Vibes Friday every Friday. Just in case you didn't know, I'm also a reggae soul singer. So um, that's where you can check out um, some music and to get some real reggae feel good vibes. Right. I'll also leave those links in the description for you um, and look forward to hearing from you all. Let's get started with today's guest's first selection. I ask all of my guests to choose seven reggae songs that are either inspirational, empowering or hold some special memory to them. So today's guest's first selection is Young, Gifted and Black, Bob Andy and Marcia Griffiths. Young, Gifted and Black industries including promotions, publications, radio, marketing and created some great work supporting our community such as Metro FM, the Black Comedy Awards, Black Net, Black Chat and the Pearl Support Network to name but a few. I would like to welcome Carl Wilson. Greetings and welcome Carl. Yeah greetings, greetings. (laughs) Can you tell us the reason for your first selection? Um, well, you know, it, it, it actually says what it's about, young, gifted and black. And I chose that because, you know, as a young guy, it was, uh, you know, it, it's like 
one day waking up and realizing that you were different from the people around you because i grew up in a predominantly white area it's not it's not it's not no longer like that but it was when i was young you know and i remember when when i was at school type of thing um you know i remember being in the playing field playing ground sorry and playing with the kids and Funnily enough, we was playing, I think I was about 10, 11, and, you know, um, <laughs> we started to play kiss chase with the girls and things like that. And I remember, I remember um, fancying this girl, an English girl, right? I fancied her, um, if you knew what fancy was in those days, if you get my meaning. Um, and I remember they used to run off and try and hide everywhere, and I, 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 I found this particular girl and I went to kiss her <laughs> well, on the cheek, you know, not on the lips. It's just what we used to do when we was young. And um, I remember she turned around and um, she, the words that came out of her mouth um, basically wasn't very nice, but she also said black and use a swear word to go with that. You black this and you black that and blah, blah, and you lot are no good and, and, and all of that. And it was from there on in that I started to realize the racism that I was facing from other people as well. And it was at that point that I realized I was different or why I was black, so to speak, you know. And this particular record, Young, Gifted and Black, I remember mom and dad playing it in the house. And it kind of uplifted me and made me realize that, you know, being black, was something special it did make me different but not in a negative way so that's kind of the thing and every time i hear that record even nowadays you know it always lifts my spirit and it kind of drives me as well you know okay <laughs> yeah, so that's why yeah. um we're gonna come back to your childhood in just a moment but i need to ask you a question that i always ask my guests um can you please tell us what your heritage is my parents are Jamaican. I was actually born in England. Um, and that in itself, I suppose, was part of the problem, you know. But yeah, it's Jamaican. What was part of the problem, sorry? The fact that I was born in England. <laughs> you know okay, I mean? explain. Right. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, um, because I've spoken to Jamaicans, and, you know, if you ask a Jamaican the question, when did they realize they was black? right um many people who were born in jamaica would look on you strange what do you mean by that you know what i mean but here in england you know you ask people from england when did they realize they was black and they most of them can give you some kind of story or something that happened to them at a point when they realized that people around them probably didn't like them based on the color of their skin you know Right. Okay. So you told us about the direct prejudices or one of the direct prejudices you had growing up. Um, can you tell us of any subliminal prejudices that maybe you weren't aware of when you were younger, but as you grew up, you were like, oh, wow, I didn't even realise that was kind of, you know, put on me. I think, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, when I was in school, again, you know, I was quite a, quite a bright student and um, because of that, you know, I used to finish the work quicker than most of the people there and I always used to think 
Um, I wanted to help them if, if, if one of the guys didn't understand, one of the young kids didn't understand what was going on. I would try and help them. And then I remember getting kicked out of a class because of that. They said I was disruptive. When I wasn't disruptive, I was just trying to help someone to understand how to do a problem, you know, or, you know, if it was an English thing, I'd, I'd explain what a verb is or this or that, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, I got kicked out and I didn't realize what, what you know, as I said, the teachers said that I was disruptive to the class, you know, and um, kicked me out, basically. Um, there were there were many occasions <laughs> like that, you know, I did. I went through a lot of racism, both, both direct and both indirect, you know, from a sub, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could go on. I'd be here till tomorrow telling you about the racism that I've faced, to be quite honest with you. We're going to move on to your next selection, which is Red Red Wine, Tony Tribe. Why did you choose this selection? That was my mum's favourite track, yeah? And it's the one um, track that I remember mum always singing. And then what what happened is that I remember we went to the Bullring Shopping Centre in Birmingham. And when we was there, downstairs, used to go downstairs in the market to get all the meat and things like that. And they had this machine. They had a machine in there that could make records. <laughs> you know, you go into it. It was just like a, it's like one of those photo booths. But you'd go in there and there was, you'd sing into this thing, which I presume is a mic. Uh, you put your money in and you sing and it would cut the record actually cut one of those records that you put on the turntable <laughs> right so me and my mum went into that my mum took me in there and she started to sing both of us started to sing this red red wine record you know record thing and then i remember it coming out of the machine and going on and, and playing it and hearing myself on none of us could sing neither of us could sing but I could, you know there we was on the record and I will never forget that that's a poignant thing because obviously my mum's passed on um, so that record really means a lot to me because it's a, it's one of the things that I remember um, about my mum I mean I remember a lot of other things but that just that's something that we actually done together that was you know produced if you like <laughs> yeah so that's why I chose that particular record because it it, it, it that's what it meant to me. Okay, so let's let's tribute this one to your mum. Um, here we go with Red Red Wine, Tony Tribe. Red Red
in publications what obstacles what obstacles did you face in that industry as well well the publication that we done really we done what we called this was a time when in my life when you know i obviously left school now and um how do i put this i think from the time when i was in school i went through all the racism and all of that yeah and um the first kind of publication that, that that I did was really about music and entertainment. It was more like a Watson magazine, so it wasn't it wasn't um, about providing news or or anything like that. It was just about providing um, information about events that was going on, you know. And what we do is, you know, we any of the events that was going on that was kind of you know your reggae soul kind of any kind of black events that was going on and what we used to do is we used to get um reviews on how the night went and all of that and it was a free publication but i did that publication really to support the fact that we was also now um going into promotion you know um what do we call it the entertainment entertainment news yeah it was just as simple as that it was kind of an about entertainment news so if artists was coming down we'd have a piece on the artists um you know information on the art, artist history and so on and that day was going to be in town on this particular day and then after the event we'd have a review of the event and so on and it was something that we we we, we, we made available free um to people so i didn't really have any problems with it with it was nothing there was no problems because it was just something that we put together because i i'm an it guy you know i've been on computers from since about the age of 15 you know i've been involved with computers so we 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 did it all ourselves you know so you could imagine what it probably looked like <laughs> you know where we'd have the we'd print it out you know we'd put the pictures on it and we'd do all of that and we'd print it and and staple it so it was a homemade thing that for, the first one was homemade then we, then we went um few years after that we bought another one called black on track which you know um it was kind of a a twist to 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 back on track we called it black on track but that comes into part of just before we before i started the black net thing which i think you might talk about later um again we didn't have any problems in putting that together um because it was something that we didn't have to depend on anybody else, only the people around us um, to get it out. That was printed by a printer um, and it was a kind of a glossy thing, but the first one was black and white. Um, in fact, they've all been black and white. I never had a color um, publication, so I didn't have anything like those modern type of magazines that you have. 
Okay, so we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Help Me Make It Through the Night, John Holt. Why did you pick this selection? <laughs> Again, to do with my mum. You'll see that a lot of this was to do with my mum, right? Again, it's another record. Mum and dad, actually, both of them. Again, because I just remember seeing them dancing together. Um, um, when this record, I used to, anytime my dad used to come and put this, this record on and he'd dance with my mum to it you know and then you know they they take me out um when we go to parties and they whenever this record came on they 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 would um they, they would dance to it and you know it kind of it, it kind of helped me towards if you like understanding um relationships you know between a man and a woman type of thing you know um and I was, you know, I don't know why, but I always felt as though that record was kind of the, I don't know, the record that to me just depicts true love, you know? Uh, yes, that's it. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of these records I've chose, I mean, there's a lot of records that I could have chosen. But I thought, you know, my mom and my dad, they've been major inspirations in my life. So that's why you've probably got those two particular um, tracks, uh, Red Red Wine and Take the Ribbon from, from, from my head. Here we go with Help Me Make It Through the Night, John Holt. Take the ribbon from your head. Shake it loose and let it fall Lay it soft upon my skin Like the shadows on the wall Come and lay down by my side Yesterday's day and gone And tomorrow is out of sight And it's sad to be more about your works in promotions and how that led in onto your works in radio so i love going out um well to myself at this time i'd linked up with my brother by the way my brother is, is much younger than me but um you know i i was living because I, I, I moved to london and then um i came back to birmingham and my my brother was 
you know, I wanted to introduce my brother because he was young and he was just, he was just, he, he's just reaching the age where he could start going out. So I, I started, I started taking him out to various clubs um, around Birmingham and London and things like that. And we, 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 we used to go and spend a lot of money, you know, drinking because we were proper drinkers, you know, and all of that. And then one day we said to each other, um, you know, we could do this type of thing, but we always felt, which I'm sure every promoter does, that we could, we felt that we could do it better than it was done. Plus, it would mean that we could go out without spending money <laughs> and we could earn money from it as well, you know. So what we done, we started, we started to do, um, we started to put on events in Birmingham. Now, one of the things that we started with, we, we organized um, an event under a name we named. We came up with this name. We called it the Lexus Organization because you had the Lexus car. And the Lexus car back in the day was seen as a car of quality. So we called it the Lexus Organization. And we started to say that we started to put on what we, what we would have classed other people might not have classed it as that, but we classed it as kind of high-class events, you know, events where people would dress up. Um, and these events were put in places that they wouldn't usually be able to go into, you know. We do it in mansion houses or, you know, um, various clubs um, in the city centre that mostly black people weren't allowed to go into you know, and we play reggae and soul, you know, where a lot of the clubs back in those days were mainly reggae. We was playing reggae and soul. Um, we then went on to um, run another promotion called the Blue Spot promotion. Now that Blue Spot, as most people from the Caribbean would know was a gram a radiogram so that's why we called it blue spot promotions and the fact that it was just about doing revival music that was music from the 60s 70s and 80s type of thing you know um uh, or 60s and 70s i should say because that was kind of the 80s um and what we decided to do then was every month we'd bring an artist down, you know, and what we wanted to do was to make it affordable. So we'd bring the artist down only to pick, all they had to do was to sing three records, that's all. But if the crowd asked for more, they could sing one more, but no more than that. And we would charge the normal price to go in the club. So they was getting, you know, um, they was getting some these were mainly mainly um English artists, you know. Um Matumbi, um a lot of those type of uh artists from the seventies, the lovers rock type artists with with those were the artists that we was bringing down. Um and we it worked very well because a lot of the younger kids, well when I say younger kids kids my age, um they appreciated the music from the past, if you like, you know, and it wasn't kind of your, what, what is called bashment now, but was called ragga back in, in those days. Um, 
there was none of that really. It was just kind of lovers rock and, you know, your soul kind of music. It was all kind of uplifting entertainment type of thing. You know, so that's how I got into that. So from your experience of that, can you tell us what are the typical mistakes that people uh, make when planning events and doing promotional work, you know, that might help any DJs, musicians, event planners, you know? Now that's a hard that's a that's a hard thing for me to say where where people have made um where they've made their mistakes um because obviously if you've got if you pick the right artists you pick the right djs you know um or maybe things that you didn't think of when you first got into it that you know from your experience of doing it then you realized you know these are other things that you need to get sorted I think the only but I only ever had one event in the whole of the time we've been we we was promoted promoting any events um the the event for for me that didn't work was the very first one and I remember that was what I tried to do at that time um I tried to mix Motown music <laughs> um we kind of lovers rock so I got a lovers rock artist to come down London to Birmingham and um, that time they had a radio station in Birmingham called Boz FM and because we wanted we wanted we thought that Motown because I, I like Motown music as well um, so I tried to mix the two of them together say okay we do Motown and we mix it up with Love as well and we had, we ran we ran the advert on Boz FM and um, we ran a competition on there as well and we we had you know the competition went very well and we had two winners and on the night um when you know at the venue we had a very good venue as well and um on the night two people turned up and those were the two competition winners (laughs) so that was that was from that we learned from that day we said well you know for us we thought we, 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 we recognised that we didn't believe that or we felt that um, people wasn't really interested in Motown um, to go to a club and to get Motown at that time anyway. And also that where we advertised, I think that's when we really learned about advertising because we thought that Boz FM, because it was a legal station and, 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 and it covered the whole of the West Midlands, basically, we thought that um, that would work. But... Um, it didn't, um, so we recognised that that wasn't the way forward. So would you say that was kind of um, knowing your audience, what they're receptive to, what they're not receptive to, and kind of honing in on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Is the advice I, I that think, you might give? Uh, that, that, well, let me put it this way. I mean, it was after that that we started our own radio station, yeah? Um but we were, when we started our radio station, there was a radio station at the time called PCRL. Um, I think they were the first, um, if you like, black radio station in the whole of the UK at that time. Um, they were the first one and they were pioneers. And what had happened, they was going to go off for a license. Um, and this is, we're talking, we're going back years now, we're going back to 89, 1989. And what happened, um, the the law 
they, they had the opportunity to go for a legal black station because there was no, up until that point, there was no legal black station because PCRO was one of the first um, pirate station. They had the opportunity. They was invited to make an application um, for a license, a legal license. And um, they, but in order to do that, they had to come off the air by the 1st of January 1990 because the law changed, because we, it was a civil offence before it, it was then, from 1990, it, it became a criminal offence to operate um, a pirate station or a community radio station, whatever you wanted to call it. And um, I knew that at the time, both myself and my brother, because most of the things I tell you, every, everything that I tell you that I've done, really, I've done it with my brother when it comes to promotion or any other kind of organisation. Me and my brother, we do it together. Um, and we decided that, look, we didn't want to own our own uh, legal station, but we we believed there was a need for our community to still have a station, even while PCRO was going off for the licence. This was in October 1989. So we, I approached um, the guy who owned Cecil Morris, who owned PCRL, and told him, you know, we're bringing on the station, and what we'll do is we'll try and support you um, in your application. And why do also what we do is with any adverts that we get, any money that we got from those adverts, from any advert that he's running or wants to run, he could keep the money, and that would be our contribution towards the station. And we said to him as soon as he got the license, because I think a lot of people believe that he would have got it, um, that we would just switch off because all we really wanted was a, a black radio station. And um, at the same time, um, it, it was good for us because we could promote our own events as well. And like you were saying, we'd have we it, we would be reaching the right audience, which was your know, the people that listened to reggae and soul. I mean, PCRO was mainly they played about seventy five percent reggae. The station that I brought on. I, I, I split it down the middle. I said 50% soul and 50% reggae, and I dedicated the whole of the Sunday up until 9 o'clock in the night to gospel music. And then after 9 o'clock, we had what we called a revive diet, where we just played pure revival music. Um, so, yeah, if I was going to give any advice, it would be to know your audience and to make sure that you, you, you know the medium to which you're going to advertise or promote it through um, and make sure that you have the right artist or DJs, you know. Okay, yeah. we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Soul Jassay. Fred Lux, why did you choose this selection? Fred Lux, the artist, I mean, he sang, that's the one song for me that, really had a message you know and this message was you know our god was identified as Jah, you know um and you know it was about the unity for me of the community you know and the fact that we don't get involved with the the politics you know it's in things like Rasta man don't work for no cia in one live a, a good and upright just life type of thing, you know. Um, and I think that was, for me, uh, the foundation for kind of the way I look on life, you know. 
Um, you know, I believe, I really believe that we're here to help each other, you know, and that um, as a community, we need to, we need to be recognised and we need to recognise our own community and work together, you know, and don't just work for somebody for the money. That's, you know what I mean? It's hard to explain, but that's what that record gave me, you know, that, Okay, here we go with So Just Say Fred Lux. And then also how people can support both of those businesses. Okay, um, Blacknet. Um, we st- okay, so as I was saying to you earlier, I was into computers um, from the age of fifteen, and at that age, the internet didn't exist as it exists now. Yeah, it used to be in the form of what was called a bulletin board. Right, so all you you'd be able to connect up using your phone line through a dial-up connection, and you'd be able to dial into these bulletin boards, and all you could get on that bulletin board was text, usually green green text or red text, right? So you'd have this black screen with green or red text on it, and you could you know get information from it. So I used to mess about with that because I was amazed with the fact that you could dial up, and you know you could stick your computer in the, the, the phone type of thing, the phone socket, and then you get this information and you could get information very much like how you can search Google now, but it, obviously not as easy as that. But you used to be able to go onto these bull, bulletin boards and get information on, on, on more or less anything back in those days. And then um, when the internet, when, 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 the internet was kind of invented, if you like, you know, I was amazed because here now I could dial up with the computer and I could see an image at that time, you know, uh, the internet was just like 
images and text, that was it. You know, it couldn't do anything. You could just look at the picture and the, the text would tell you what the picture was about or whatever, you know. Um, and it kind of, you know, I started to learn how to develop web pages then you know we used to have the code if you wanted the picture to be on the left you'd have to write a certain code if you wanted it to be on the right or the center you'd have to write a certain code if you wanted the picture to flash or the text to flash you'd have to write codes i used to do all of that and you know and this was just just kind of as, as a hobby you know and i loved it but then as it go on and it's as it went on and it started to develop um both myself and my brother started to realize that, hang on, wait a minute, um, there was nothing here in the UK for black people. And there was nothing that related to, um, you know, people of African or Caribbean descent. So we thought, let's, let's, let's try and do something like that because we believed that um, our community, like like with the radio station, we needed our own radio station. We needed our own media outlet, or, or our own media platform, and we could see that the internet was going to become very, very big. And we wanted to create a platform for our community, um, so much so that when we did it, the first thing, the first page that we did, it was just one page, and it had all the flags you know uh african flags and, and and caribbean flags on one page and the only thing the only thing it was really you click on the image and that will give you information on say jamaica um uh, or any one of the caribbean islands or any one of the african islands and we thought this was absolutely fantastic now we could find out about the you know everybody that's how we started um and we really believed that we would be bringing the the people together but as a, again the internet was developing all the time so now you could start to interact with uh, you, you you could do more than just put the image up you could now start to interact you know so then um we said okay we was gonna we 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 we'd start to allow people if you like to 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 submit information to to share with other people from the community again as we said it's about the platform or having a platform so we started to have americans using it and then what happened we started to go around to the universities and speak to the acs's you know the african um caribbean kind of uh, union type of thing um the african and caribbean unions student unions and we'd we'd, we'd speak at the universities and we'd tell um the students um the need for what we was putting in place and how it would benefit them how we felt it would benefit them by bringing us together as a community regardless of where you are starting off with the uk so where you had blacks in manchester blacks in nottingham leicester wherever we can now communicate together using the internet and that's what blacknet was about um and then um we also then started the black chat which was a spin-off of um, blacknet so what you had now was as more people was coming on the internet a lot of the younger people they was going to the 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 the, the 
black chat, which was a chat room, really. We also had another, um, what you call forums, and that was called the Black Forums, first of all. And we had to change that because we had to change the name of that because that was, if you know what forums are like, where somebody can come and say something and then later on someone will come in and respond to it and, and all that type of thing, you know. And we had, we was very, very popular in those days. The only problem that we had was that most of the people in their homes didn't have internet access so all the people that were coming on were at university or college and things like that and what we had at one point we had more or less every black person that was at university during those days they was going into the um their uni and they was hugging up all the computer um going on 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 black chat and it was causing a problem to um, um to the universities because the universities once they they started to understand the internet because when we started the bbc or the, no no nobody really understood how the internet um was or you know how you how you could control it Anyway, as I said, um, all the universities and the colleges right across the UK um, were using Blacknet and Blackchat mainly. Um, the Blacknet, Blacknet was more information and Blackchat was more interaction, you know. And um, the universities, they started to block people from using it in the universities right they started to block it so when they went in they couldn't do it so we started to create what we call back doors um so people could still chat on it but they'd have to share the the, the link through the back door if you like but as it went on they they they, they managed to block it again and, and they continued to block it and it was uh black net well, black net and black chat was very very popular we we we, we ended up with a, a massive database email database which is still got now and it's been updated all the time you know so can you tell us of how if anybody wants to get involved with black net and black chat today how they can get involved obviously we're going to put the links in the description if anybody wants to get involved all they have to do is go to Blacknet and sign up on our, um, you know, just register and then that's it. And they, they can get the information into their email box or they can, you know, browse through all the information that's on the site. Okay, that's perfect. Um, so we're going to move on. Like I said, I'm going to leave those links in the description um, for all you guys to check out and connect. Um, but we're going to move on because we're going to run out of time um, to your next selection, which is I'm in love with a dreadlocks brown sugar. What was the reason for this selection? Again, that's just what you'll notice that a lot of these things are to do with the black. It was just another record that kind of made me feel proud to be black. You know what I mean? And the dreadlocks thing, the Rusterman thing, it wasn't so much. Then the dreadlocks used to just represent the hair from that the person had as his locks. And it used to be, to me at that time, the same. The Rusterman and the dreadlocks was one and the same. But then the dreadlocks became the fashion and the Rusta the Rasta became the, um, the kind of religion if you want to call it that you know um but that was a, another record that whenever that played i just felt uplifted you know okay that's why. here we go with i'm in love with the dreadlocks brown sugar
now following your success of Black Net and Black Chat, um, you and your brother set up an organisation called the Pearl Support Network. Um, please, can you tell us more about that? Okay. Right. Okay. So what happened, as I was saying earlier on, um, my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, this was during the time when I was running Black Knit and Black Chat. And um, I didn't know what Alzheimer's was at the time, um, or even dementia, really. Um, but I was living in London and my mom was living in Birmingham. And um, what happened is that my dad was also, he was going to move to Jamaica and all of that. So my mom was going to be on her own. So I, I then, I had to kind of, um, both myself and my brother, because both of us lived in London, but, um, I had to make up my mind whether I was going to continue to run Black Knit in the same way or um, go and look after my mother. Um, and obviously, mum comes first, you know what I mean? So even though we didn't shut Black Knit down, what we didn't do is we didn't continue to maintain it in the same way that we was maintaining it or promoting it um, before. Now, what had happened is that when I started, um, when I came down and started to look after her, I was calling up the Alzheimer's Society, Age Concern, and these people, um, trying to find out how how I kind of how do I support my mom because I didn't I didn't know what to do I didn't I I didn't even know it was something that was um, a disease that was going to kill her at the time. I just thought, you know, I, I would only be looking after her for a short while and it would get better. And then, obviously, you know, after doing research, I found out what Alzheimer's was. But as I said, I, cont I contacted the Alzheimer's Society and asked them, you know, what do I do? And they said to me, well, you know, the only thing you can do is to help her to live well with it. And you do that by, you know, you can take her to places um where they run reminiscence sessions because as you know with dementia people lose their most recent memories and they kind of go back to their childhood or their teenager kind of age um so i then i said you know i identified what they call memory caps and things like that and i started to carry my mom to those places when i when i took my mom to the memory cap they was all they were singing all these songs and um you know vera lynn and these type of people and i noticed like the, the particular first one that i took my mom to there was 12 people there there was three caribbeans and the rest were like english and they were singing all these songs and they was passing these items around memorable items and there was one way they had a dance this thing they call a dunce hat which is a pointed cone-shaped white hat with a big red d on that they used to put on people's head if they were misbehaved or if they were not very smart in the schools in england and they were they was passing that around um to each of the the persons that was there that were living with dementia and you know some of the english people there oh yes i remember this you know they made me stand in the corner with this and they pass it to the 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 the, the, the black ladies that was there and they just looked at it and passed and, and passed it to the next person and the music they wasn't singing along they was kind of moving their head but they wasn't singing along um the violin music and all of that they wasn't really getting involved and when it had finished 
this particular one and I asked the the, the, the ladies how what they felt about it and they turned around to me and they said they feel as that like nobody doesn't care about them all three of them said that separately but they each said the same thing basically and um, it was at that point me and my brother said well all right you know we, we're gonna start doing stuff for mum making all this memorable stuff and blah 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 so you know getting identifying music that she used to listen to when she was a teenager and things like that you know so we started to make inquiries and get the music together and started playing it to them then it became apparent to us that obviously this is this is affecting any black person in the uk that's living with dementia so we thought and this was kind of just as mom died as well actually you know um we thought we're going to try and address this uh, problem so what we're going to start doing is to develop games um jigsaw puzzles word searches all of these and make them culturally culturally sensitive um we but again the other thing that we realized because um, when we put her into a care home, well, I had to put her into a care home three years after because she got to the point where she couldn't wash herself. Now, my mom would never want me to wash her, so we had to put her in, in a care home. But I went to that care home every day. And what I noticed was that, um, or what became apparent was that the carers who were there, even though they were very good at caring, looking, washing and cleaning them um, and all of that, the interactions wasn't very good. They, they they didn't understand. They didn't know, you know, what kind of music to play for her or, you know, the word searches or whatever they was trying to do with her. It was all very much generic um, and very English, if you like. So we decided that we was going to try and develop um, something to address this so that if if you put your parent for example anybody puts their their family member who may be living with dementia into a care home or even if they have carers coming to their house that they would be able to be able to access things that they can use to interact with that person without even knowing anything about their cultural background you know so we developed a website and an app um type of thing so that carer who doesn't know anything about the person can use it and but once they when they're using it they dip into what we call a memory box and they can they can sign up the person that they're looking after they sign it up themselves but then they put the person's name or whatever they want to call them on the website and all the information that they go through in the memory box they can then tag it to that person so that means when another carer who doesn't know anything about them come along they've got somewhere to start because the information is there about that person they can build up a profile of that person um at this website um yeah so that's what that's that's it and if people wanted to um go and find obviously like i said i'm going to put the um link yeah. in the description for the website but if they wanted to search for the app what would they search for yeah the pearl support network basically um I think you'd have to do it from the website, actually, because we, we're now upgrading the, the app itself. But on the website, it's, it's, it's mobile friendly as well. So if they just put Pearl Support Network into Google, they'll find it. 
Okay, perfect. Um, we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Black Pride, Kofi. Um, can you tell us why you picked this selection? Again, it's a, it's another thing, because I'm very much, as, it, as with Blacknet and all of that, I very much believe, I'm, and I'm very much proud of being a black man, right? I, I believe that um, we need to come together, you know, with everything that we do, we need to work together. Um, and this Black Pride, when, when, whenever we was out, what I loved, I remember looking, you know, if I was in a club and they, and they played that and every black person would sing it. And, you know, funny enough, um, the last time I heard that was about two years ago, where you had Kofi was live, she was an artist, and there was a lot of white people there, and they were singing Black Pride as well. But black is the colour of my skin, and I'm so proud to be the colour that God made me, which I am. That's why I picked that particular track. Okay, here we go with Black Pride Kofi. of your work's focus on empowering our community um what what would you like to see happen for the next generation i i would like i would like um the next generation really to be able to look at my generation and to see something positive to see us working together in unified right i would like them to be unified i would like them to be proud of who they are um and that's really it, you know, 
because my belief, as I said, we have so much as an organization. I mean, as a community, we've got so many different organizations, small organizations around the place trying to do something positive. But the reason why we, we, it doesn't work is because we're not doing it together. And I would like our younger generation to really pull together and to be together. But I also would like them to look and see the older generations pulling together in unity. Most definitely unity is the answer to everything, as well as love, obviously. obviously um, yeah. But with that said, we are going to move on to your final selection. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing all of your stories, your experience, your wisdom with all of us. We're going to finish off with your final selection, like I said, which is Party Time, Heptones. Why did you choose this selection? <laughs> Because at the end of the night, I like to party, you know. But it's, it's again, it's music that was played when I was younger that really just lifted me up to hear the way it was sang and, and what he was singing, you know, it's party time. And I think that, not that I'm saying that we should all go out and party because I don't believe that, but I believe in celebrating our uh, achievements and party time makes me feel that I can celebrate about some of the things that I've achieved. And as a community, I'd like to celebrate being part of this community. That's why. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today, Carl. I really do appreciate it. No, thank you. You're more thank than you. welcome. Here we go with party time, Heptones. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and uh, make sure you tune in next Wednesday. As always, blessed love. <laughs>